Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We are so excited that you decided to join us for our sermon series, Unfinished, where we discuss how our current situation is not our final situation, and God's work in our life is simply unfinished. Hope you enjoy. I want to talk about his work because you can learn a lot about a person's line of work. Isn't that right? That's why when you're on a date with somebody for the first time, one of the first questions you ask is what? What do you do? Because you can find out, at least you can assume, you find out a lot about a person by the way they answer that question, right? You go out to eat, you ask them, what do you do? Well, I'm between jobs right now. Oh, so, so what you really mean is, I'm paying for this meal. That what you, that's, what you, that's what you really mean. Yeah, or nowadays, this is real popular. What do you do? Oh, I blog. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, I won't be seeing you next week. Or you know, it's just, um, I remember when Liz and I started started uh, dating and talking. I was like, "So, what do you do?" She's like, "I own a business, pressure washing. Doing pretty good." I was like, "Oh, all right." See, I knew God wanted me to do ministry, and I knew ministry didn't pay well. So I was like. Sugar mama, got it. <laughs> Down, now I can pursue my dreams. Just needed somebody to support me. <laughs> she got my back. And so Liz is actually a very successful businesswoman, sold it all, left it all to, to be a mom, um, which uh, I'm super grateful for because she's a better parent in the house for sure. Um, and so, yeah, we make assumptions, right, from people, by people's uh, line of work. I remember when I to- first told my mom I wanted to do ministry, that was a conversation. Because um, she was a volunteer youth pastor her whole life. Uh, well, not her whole life, but a big part of it. And then she worked with kids. She was our volunteer kids uh, pastor for a while when we first started the church. And I remember, you know how moms are. Moms like, moms love Jesus, but sometimes moms have an issue when Jesus asks you to do dangerous things because they can't get the mom out of them they, it, 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 to make space for the Christian in them. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so I was like, mom, I want to do ministry. She's like, awesome. And what else? And I was like, that's it, just ministry. She was like, but what else? And I was like, no, no, I want to spend my life telling people about Jesus. She was like, that's great, that's great. But um, do you ever want to get married? Because uh, you're going to need some money. To, and so, you know, and so it's, it's, it's how it is. You can just, we make assumptions. And, and I want to talk about Jesus' work. Because it's interesting to me that before Jesus was ever the Savior of the world, and before Jesus was ever the healer, and before Jesus was ever the teacher, Jesus was the carpenter. He was the carpenter. I want to spend some time exploring this profession of his because in all honesty, you have to imagine that Jesus had the pick of the litter when it came to jobs. He's in heaven, you know, and God's like, hey, you're going to die for the sins of the world? And Jesus is like, absolutely. He's like, all right, man, what do you want to be? It's like Monopoly, right? You just get pick. What do you want to be? What do you, what do you want to go down as, you know? And he could have came down to somebody important. He could have. At the time, there were really three important positions, uh, three prestigious positions, uh, if you wanted to be someone well-known, you were either uh, a prince, uh, a priest, or a politician. Um, and it's interesting to note that he came down as neither. Maybe it's because he didn't need a title to validate its worth. Maybe it's because he didn't need a position to make him feel better about himself. Maybe it's because when you know where you come from and you know who your father is, you don't really have the need to impress other people because you know what you got going on between you and heaven. And so I get my inspiration for if Jesus didn't need to impress nobody, then you and I don't need to impress nobody. 
When you know who your father is and you know where you come from, you don't need to be a politician. You don't need to be a priest. You don't need to be a prince. Uh, He wanted to come as a servant. The Bible says in Luke that he came to serve and not to be served. So he had to pick a servant job. He had to pick a serving servanthood job. He was a carpenter, uh, and uh, he could have been a lot of things. He could have been a fisherman. Uh, That would have made sense because as a fisherman gathers the fish, Jesus gathers the lost and the broken. You could bring out the carpentry stuff, by the way. Uh, you, could, uh, you could be a fisherman. He could gather fish. That makes sense because Jesus gathers the lost. He gathers the broken. He gathers the hurting. But the problem with being a fisherman is Jesus doesn't gather the fish because he loves the fish, right? A fisherman. A fisherman doesn't gather fish because he loves the fish. A fisherman gathers fish to sell the fish for his reward. And so the reason why that analogy breaks down is because we are Jesus's reward. He doesn't trade us in for anything. He traded his life for us. Amen? Amen. He could have been uh, been a shepherd, right? Jesus could have came as a shepherd, uh, but he didn't come as a shepherd. Why not? Uh, Probably because a shepherd loves the sheep, a shepherd protects the sheep, a shepherd feeds the sheep. But the only reason why the shepherd takes care of the sheep, listen, is to fleece it in its youth and slaughter it in its old age. So it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll protect you until I eat you. you know? <laughs> At that point, we got to change something. And so he didn't do that either. Why? Because I don't believe Jesus is out to take us for advantage. I don't think Jesus is out to fleece us. I believe Jesus is out to flourish us, to watch us grow. Speaking of flourish, he could have come as a farmer, but he didn't. Why? Because as beautiful as a rose is, a rose's beauty is temporary. It blooms and then it dies. But the work that Jesus came to build in you and me is not temporary. It's eternal and it lasts forever. That life lasts. It's not a seasonal life, although life happens in seasons. It's an eternal life that he came to give. No, he came as a carpenter. He came as a builder. Why? Because you can summarize our carpenter's role into two things. Building what's needed and repairing what's broken. And Jesus came to do both. We're going to use carpentry today as an art form. We're going to use carpentry to teach some things. Uh, My dad was a contractor. I learned a little something uh, from him, watching him build stuff. It was good. And uh, a lot of people wouldn't consider... uh, carpentry or building to be an art. But haven't you ever walked inside of a building that's stolen your breath away? Haven't you ever stood on the edge of a bridge just in awe of the construction of that, right? I think building is one of the best art forms because it's not just beautiful. It doesn't just carry aesthetic value. It also carries functional value. You don't just look at it and go, wow, you can actually use it, right? That's like the difference between my wife and I when we pick out furniture. She's like, it has to look good. I'm like, it has to be comfortable, We'll go to Ikea, she'll be like, or West Elm, and she'll be like, oh, this thing is beautiful. I'm like, no, we're sitting on this thing right here. I said yes one time. She bought a couch that had these backs that you can like turn and convert and flip. It was cool. It was like Legos, but like a couch, and you could just move. But the problem is the back kept moving, and so now when guests come over our house and sit on that couch, the back just... The back just slides off. Like our couch comes with disclaimers. Like we just, before you sit, let me just, you're going to fall. Just be careful. Um, it's pretty, but it has no functional value, right? I think the beautiful thing about you and I is that Jesus doesn't just love looking at you. He also loves using you. You don't just have an aesthetic value to God. You have a functional value to God. And not only does, does God get joy out of that, we, much like Woody, 
the, the cowboy from Toy Story, we get joy when we get used. And if there was ever a more accurate picture of the church, it would be this. Hear me out. It's a place where you and I come to be built. A place where you and I come to be repaired so that you and I can be used. God wants to use you. God wants to build you, and he wants to use you to build your home, and he wants to use you to build your community. He is a carpenter. I remember my first ever uh, time uh, doing carpentry, doing renovations, because here's what you have to know about God. Um, Everything that God builds is beautiful, but God building things is not beautiful. Are you catching me? If you walk, in other words, if you walk into a house that's been renovated, you're like, wow. But if you walk into a house that's being renovated, you're like, wow. And I remember the first renovation ever. I was with my dad. I wanted to make some money in the summer. And uh, we went into this basement in New York, and we were going to build our entire apartment in the basement. It was my first time having experience with carpentry. And, and I was so stoked and excited because it was day one, and it was demolition day. You don't got to know nothing about building to succeed on, day, on demolition day. He was like, all right, Jay, here's what you're going to do. He gets the hammer, and he starts knocking out stuff. And I'm like, that's fun. I want to do that. He's like, here's how you do it. You knock it out, you knock it out, you knock it out. He's like, I want you to knock down this wall. He's like, I'm going to go to Home Depot, buy some stuff. When I come back, I want to see this entire wall down. I was like, yeah, dad. Something about a hammer, but it makes you feel like a man. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we need more hammers in life. Um, so, I, so, 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 so I went to work. He came back from Home Depot. He gave me a look. I had either done something really good or really bad because the expression on his face was intense. Spoiler alert, I did something really bad. See, I'm what you call a perfectionist and an overachiever. So he said, knock down this wall. Well, well, I did that. And I thought, if one wall down is good, I'm going to really blow his socks off. I knocked down seven walls by the time he came. He came in, I was like, yeah! Get your offspring. This is what you brought into the world. Congratulations, you win. Look at everything that I did. <laughs> you know, he's a patient man. <laughs> that, that, that evening, the hammer had a different use. You know what I'm saying? Somebody, um, I, I didn't do good. What's interesting is that, listen, when he was in the room, it was construction. But when I was alone in the room, it was destruction. <laughs> and oftentimes, the difference between construction and destruction is not the tool or the process, but who's behind the process. That's why you can't put too much stock into the way that you feel. Because oftentimes, we, we wake up in the morning and things happen in life. You know, we, fi- we wake up to find out that in a, re- a relationship that we've been in for years just ended. We wake up to find out that, wow, we're, mo- we're, we're, we're more in debt than we were. And, now, and our emotions are kind of going all over the place. We go to try to go to bed at night, but we can't. We're struggling with some anxiety over some unmet deadline. Or, or we find out that one of our family members are sick. And we begin to feel, we begin to feel like, oh, my goodness. This is horrible. God is out to get me. He is killing me. He is destroying me. But what you have to understand is that when the carpenter, the main carpenter, your celestial carpenter, your heavenly carpenter, when he's in the room, it might feel like destruction. But when the hammer is in the hand of God, it's always construction. 
You can't live your life based on feelings. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs. I love the way the message version says it. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. Lady wisdom builds a lovely home. Sir fool comes along and tears it down brick by brick. I was sir fool in that basement. Why do I share that verse with you? Because it's not the process that kills us. It's our interpretation of the process that kills us. What if every time you felt the hammer... Come on, because life is, life is violent, guys. There are people who beat up on you in life. You can get hammered in life. You can get cut in life. Sometimes in life you get screwed. I'm just saying, sometimes in life... But if you can trust the carpenter, then every time one of these things happen, every time you feel down, every time you feel alone, every time you feel hurt, every time you feel broken, you can look at that in the face and say, it's okay, I'm just under construction. He's building something in me. He's preparing something for me. He's going to use me. He's, he's got a need he needs me to fill. He's trying to repair the broken pieces of my life. Do not live based on emotion. Just make sure you're living in the hand of the carpenter. Amen? Amen. Here's good news for you because you, know, you know that the carpenter's work is good. Philippians 1.6. This is why you got to memorize it. And I am certain that the God who began the what? All of God's work is good, even if it feels bad. You need to write this down. Listen, God's priority is not your feelings but your fullness. It's on the screen. Go just read it. <laughs> God's priority is not your feelings, but your fullness. It doesn't feel good. So what? You know how many things I do to my kids that don't feel good? If I led my life based on what let them feel better, you know what would happen to my children? Dad, I was, I was, I was getting this stuff ready. Dad, I, wanna, I want the saw. I want the saw. No. You don't love me. If you love me, you give me that saw. No, if, if I gave you the saw, it would kill you. My priority is not your feelings. It's your fullness. To make sure you live the fullness of your life. That's what God wants to do in your life. Let me share a story with you. I wanna, we're going to be sharing stories throughout the sermon. This is the story of a, of a young man at our church. Because at the end, when, when we begin to give for this house, I want you to know the impact that you're making. I got this email about a month ago. Good morning, Pastor JJ. Thank you for getting back to me so soon. I have so many things I want to say, but I want to start by saying thank you for your inspiration, blah, 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 blah. Earlier this year, this is what I wanted to get to. Earlier this year, I started to experience what most people recognize and what the doctors refer to as anxiety. I'd never experienced, nor did I really know what anxiety was until I experienced firsthand. I thought I was just getting excited and being anxious and looking forward to something fun. For me, I learned anxiety is no joke. One night while I was home watching TV like I normally do, I had this overwhelming feeling come over me that I had never felt before. So immediately I thought I was having a heart attack or something. I called 911, the ambulance came, and they checked me out. 
I wasn't having a heart attack, but since my blood pressure was high, I gave myself a panic attack. I declined to have them take me to the ER since I started feeling better until moments after they left, I started feeling those same feelings again. So I drove myself to the emergency room. I spent the night in the hospital and most of the next day, they ran tests on me to find out what was wrong. After chest x-rays, after chest x-rays, blood tests, CT scans, heart ultrasounds, stress tests, all of these tests came back negative. And the doctor said that myself, a healthy 32-year-old young man, was experiencing anxiety. The fact that I was having anxiety in the first place, I attributed to my bad eating habits. I was drinking too much. That's another story. Not getting enough sleep, and some days I was sleeping too much. Everything about my life was out of balance. This goes without saying, but my relationship with God at the time was basically non-existent unless I needed him or wanted him. And that's when my girlfriend, Erin, invited me to Journey Church. When Aaron recommended Journey, I started listening to the podcast from the beginning before actually attending. Mind you, this is shortly after my anxiety situation. I find myself hearing you put things into perspective that I'd never heard before, solidifying thoughts that I had on specific situations, and wow, I was just thinking the same thing the other day, word for word. Anyway, I say that all to say this. Since that moment, when I literally thought I was going to die, I have done a complete 180. I've changed my eating habits. I don't drink in excess like I used to. I'm usually in bed by 10 p.m. and I'm up early. I've lost weight. I open my blinds now to see the sunshine because I have joy once again in my life. And here's the best part. When I do have a little anxiety, that's all it is, a little anxiety, because my faith has now become bigger than my fear. The doctor recommended Xanax to help me deal with anxiety. And while I know that helps other people, I refuse to take them because I believe there was nothing I could get from a pill that I couldn't get from my Savior through prayer and believing. He will come through for me. And I have peace that possesses all understanding. But the best part is, Best part is, now I'm beginning to make an impact on a friend of mine, and as a result of the changes I've made, he's making changes. Now we'll go have dinner, and I drink water, and eat, and talk, and have a good time. And after he saw the pattern of me sticking to my plan and committing to what I said I was going to do and not going to do, he told me he has a lot of respect for me with the decision that I've made, and it makes him want to do the same. Being an example isn't going unnoticed. He said that there have been many times right before he starts to eat, he's not even a Christian, but right before he starts to eat, he'll pray for his food because that's what I do now. I pray for my food. Anyway, I'm saying this. I've been praying and asking God for help me to be an example now of what his love looks like, and now it's beginning to impact more and more people. And I wanted you and Journey Church to know personally that what you're doing is not just affecting you guys, but me as, as well and all those who haven't even attended yet. I know now it's not about the destination, but about the journey. Will you guys give it up for our friend Matt? Matt Nichols. Come on, Matt. We love you, man. Congratulations, bro. I'm going to have a seat right there. Matt's awesome. It was a pleasure to meet Matt. I want to share another story with you, but before I do, I want to share another part about construction. You know, before you build something, before you can put something together, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, before a builder can build uh, something with wood, there's something that has to happen before. Before a, a carpenter can, can sand, before a carpenter can screw, before a carpenter can hammer, listen to me, a tree needs to give up its life. Have you ever thought about that? If you ask my son Justice how to save the tigers, you know what his answer will be? He's five. Ask him, Justice, how do you save the tigers? He'll say, deforestation. 
He went to Animal Kingdom, and Animal Kingdom, they had this thing. They explained that the reason why tigers are dying is because they're losing their jungle home, and so deforestation. And then we learned all these statistics about how many trees it takes to build a home, and I had never seen it, but now I see it in a different way. When I look at my home, when I look at my door, when I look at the frame, I think, wow, do you know how many trees had to die to be able to build that thing? And I want you to know, when you look at other people's lives, when you look at this church, and when you look at, you didn't understand that behind that building is a ton of sacrifice. A ton of sacrifice. And I'm sharing that with you because there are people right now who are in their 30s thinking to themselves, man, when I was in my 20s, it was okay not to have a plan. But now I'm in my 30s or I'm headed to my 30s and I kind of need to know what's going. I want to know what am I building in life? There are people who are in their 70s now who are looking back and wondering, have I built anything of a, of a lasting legacy? And, and, and the answer to that question is the answer to this question. Have you been sacrificing? Because we can't ask God to build us if we're not willing to give him the material that he needs to build. I want you to imagine with me a tree, a tree that is standing in place and is bored of being a tree. And this tree is standing and he's going, ah, you know, I've kind of been here for a couple years and I kind of feel like I'm stuck. It's a tree joke. I feel like I'm stuck and everybody's, everybody's moving around me, but I'm not moving and I wish I could move and I wish I could be something and do something. And then God enters the scene and he's like, actually, I'm a carpenter. I could do something with you awesome. That'd be so cool. What do you, what's your plan? What do you got? And he's like, well, how about this? How about we turn you into a beautiful house where generations upon generations of people will find shelter and security? Oh, that sounds good. I'd like to be a house. No, 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 no. I got one better tree. Yeah, God. I'm my mind. I just, uh, yeah, God. Yeah, God. How about, how about I turn you into a boat? Ooh, and you can see the whole world. All the oceans and all the seas and all the different cultures. Oh, I like that. I want to be a boat. Make me a boat. Awesome. I just need one thing. Your life. Well, you should have said that from the beginning. (laughs) And this is God. This is God with us. He's like, I can do something amazing with your life. And we're like, yeah. He's like, but you got to give it to me. Which means it's got to come out of your hands and into my hands. It's what I call the principle of the second something. Say the second something. Yeah, here's how this principle works. God does the second somethings, but in order to do the second something, he first needs your something. Because I have done a Bible study, and let me tell you, there is only one time in the Bible that I have found God make something out of nothing, and that was creation. After creation, everything that God made came out of something. The principle of the second something is, the second something needs your first something, but it will also be better than the first something. So God's done with creation, he makes man, and all of creation knows something's missing. Earth is functional, earth is strong. But earth is, meeting, is missing some of its beauty. Why? Because it's missing someone. It's missing something. Adam knows it. I'm missing something. God knows it. We're missing something. And so God puts Adam to sleep. Takes his rib. Adam had a sacrifice. Takes his rib. See, husbands, we, we, we were born sacrificing for our wives. That's why the Bible says you got to die. Because it's like, well, that's how she came into this world. Through your sleep takes out the womb and makes woman. And let's be honest, guys, women are way better than men. Way more beautiful. I mean, men are like, you know, we're here. We do things. But they're not really beautiful men walking around, you know. Women are beautiful. What am I trying to say? 
He was able to make a greater second something out of your first something. There's a story in the Bible about a woman, a widow of Zarephath. She has a little bit of oil and a little bit of bread. The prophet Elijah comes and says, give me your oil and give me your bread. She says, well, all I have is a little something. He said, well, give me half of your little something and you keep half of your something. She's like, all right. Gives him half, makes him bread, puts it in, makes her own bread. And she wakes up in the morning expecting to die because that's what she told. She I got more food. She opens up the jar and it's full to the brim. She uses it for the whole day and the next day it's full to the brim. She uses it, and it's, and it's full to the brim, and it's full to the brim, and it's full to the brim. If you're willing to give God your something first, he'll create a second something out of the something you've given him. I, I wrote it like this, and I hopefully this is the way you'll you remember it. You provide the material, God provides the miracle. But you got to provide the material. You got to give him your life. You got to give him the So what is God asking you for? You're not going to lose it. He's going to give you a a second something that outweighs the first something. He's going to build it in your life. Here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full press, down, shaken together, uh, running over, and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Let me share with you another quick story. This is a story of sacrifice. A young woman in our church. Anybody get homesick? Raise your hand if you get homesick sometimes. Yeah, imagine moving to another city. Imagine moving to another continent. This is the story of this young woman who moved all the way from Australia. Sometimes, the, to, to be a part of Journey Church, sometimes the hardest thing about sacrifice is what it costs to be truly obedient to what God's calling you to do. I had a great job. I was surrounded by my incredible family, my amazing friends, attended a great church. And when God told me to move to the other side of the world, it didn't fully register exactly what it would cost me. My life was about to radically change. And after only being married for two weeks, I had to say goodbye to my husband in the United States, get on a plane, go back home, go back home to get everything ready to move. I had it all planned out. Go back to work, earn a good amount of money, buy my ticket, come back. But God wanted to do things his way, which means it looked nothing like my plans. Two days after I returned home from America, I lost my job. Any money I was relying on disappeared. I couldn't even buy a plane ticket. I had just about given up when I received a call from someone wanting to pay for my plane ticket to get to America. I said goodbye to my family, friends, and 24 hours later, boarded a plane to come back to the United States. Days after arriving here, my husband took me to a staff meeting at Journey Church. It felt like everyone had been waiting for me, and I felt instantly at home in my new church family. As time went by, the holiday honeymoon phase of marriage began to wear off. It started to hit me. I couldn't work because my immigration status was no good. I had no money. I couldn't drive, partly because I thought I'd drive on the wrong side of the road, because in Australia, they do the other side. I was stuck at home on my own every day when my husband went off to support us. It felt like my independence had been stripped of me, like I had no purpose. I had never felt so alone. I missed my family so much. Nothing was the same. During this time, God reminded me of the sacrifice that he had made for me by sending his son to this earth. He showed me that nobody would ever take the place of my family, but that I needed to be grateful for the amazing church family at Journey that I had already been given. So I surrendered my family. I surrendered my friends and everything I knew to be normal to God. I let go and gave him control so that he could do what he needed to do in my life. I had to learn to trust him all over again. I chose to be grateful. And now God is beginning to bless me. Both me and my husband have jobs. I'm so grateful for everything God has done in our lives through Journey Church, the ministry opportunities we've been given and the family we've made here. I've rediscovered my purpose. It looks like nothing I've ever expected it would. But when God encouraged me to change my viewpoint, in the middle of my storm, he changed my life. I'm grateful for the ministry of Journey Church and for everyone who made it possible what God has done within me. Would you guys... Welcome to the stage, Chantel, Santiago, Chantel, 
Yeah, all the way from Australia. Yes. Down under. Siri is Australian in my phone. Um, I love Chantel's story, and there's so many more miracles that have happening since she's, uh, since she's been a part of, uh, of, of, uh, of Journey Church. Um, hey, I want to close out. We're going to end out tonight. I just have one other story to share and, and, and something else, and, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing yourself to be used to impact lives in the way that lives are being uh, impacted. It would not have been possible if it wasn't for uh, your sacrifice. Um, in a moment, we're going to be transitioning to give sacrificially of our finances for those who are a part of the church. And, and as I was sharing with our staff, they were like, I don't know if this is a good Sunday to invite a friend. That's what they told me. They were like, I don't know if I'm kind of nervous. I'm kind of afraid. And because um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. Our staff was just being honest what first-time guests will think. I don't want them to see this side of church. And I know what they meant by that. They had grown up in a church culture where people were always asking for money and finances, and it got a little old, and it made the church look like a business. And, and I got what they were saying. I told them, I said, hey, I get where you're coming from, I, 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 but, but I, don't, I get the side that you're talking about, but the side of the church that we're showing today is not the business side of church. The side of the church that we're showing today is the building side of the church. And honestly, if I could pick any Sunday for a first-time guest to come, it'd be this Sunday. Why? Because you never appreciate something until you see how it's built. I went to Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, for a, a ministry trip, and there was nothing to do in Louisville, Kentucky. There is the, the Kentucky Fried Chicken Museum. That's a thing that I visited because there was nothing else to do. And the other thing there was, it's the, the Louisville Slugger baseball factory. It's where they make bats. I've been playing baseball my whole life, but I'm like, I want to go check out this factory. It was mind-blowing. They make bats, weight, size, handle, spindle, all to the exact specifications of each baseball player. And then they sign them at the end with the baseball player's signature etched in by a computer and a laser. I left there. They gave us a little bat. That bat, I still have that bat. That bat is like one of my most prized possessions. Like it's still in my memorabilia section of my house. What am I trying to tell you? I, 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 I had bats in my hand my whole life playing baseball. It wasn't until I understood how it was made that I appreciated what it was. And you come into this building every Sunday, maybe you're a guest or maybe you're, uh, and, and you just see people. But I want you to know, I don't, I don't see people. I see, stand up. I don't see people when I see people come to Journey Church. I see studs. Because when you walk into a house, all you see is sheetrock. But what you don't know is that behind that sheetrock are, are wood, pieces of wood and wood and wood and wood and floors and roofs. And you don't know, but I know because I was here from the beginning, just how many people had to die to build this place. So I'm glad you're here. And if this is your first time, I'm glad you get to see all of the sacrifice that it took to build a church like this. And, then, and if you're watching, you're thinking, man, and if people are willing to give like that, there must be something legitimate about it. Do you know why one of the most convincing messages for the gospel was? That people weren't just preaching Jesus, they were willing to die for Jesus. That they were willing to give their life to accomplish something great and to accomplish something better. Because let me tell you, sacrifice is important, but when a couple of us come together and sacrifice, that's even more powerful. That's building material right there. That's building material. I'm, come on, get the contractor in the house, the carpenter. Come on here, I told you my dad was a carpenter. Come on here, run up, dad. I know you're 50-something, but run. Run up here real quick. Uh, 
I'm just saying, because it's pretty amazing the power of sacrifice, you know? It's pretty amazing when you give your life, because here's how it works. Construction, by the way, construction only works if pieces of wood come together. You know what I'm saying? And it's pretty cool what happens when you give the carpenter your life and I give the carpenter my life. It's amazing what a carpenter can do with some hammer and nails. What was Jesus' job again on earth? A what? A what? A what? What did he spend his whole life using? Hammer, nails, and wood. And isn't it interesting that at the end of his life, we find hammer, nails, and wood. It's amazing. It's amazing what we can build with two pieces of wood, some hammer, some nails, and a carpenter who knows what he's doing. Would you hold this, carpenter? (laughs) Here's what I'm saying. With your sacrifice and with my sacrifice, in the hands of God, we can build something that changes the world. But we got to do it together. Oh, by the way, remember I told you God was a builder? He's also a repairer. I'm going to share with you right now the most personal story. I had to ask this couple for permission. I want to share with you the most personal story that we can ever share with this church. I do a lot of marital counseling as a pastor. It's part of what I do. Um, And I'll be honest with you. I'm going to share a story of a couple who I was pretty sure it was over. We're having a meeting at Starbucks and uh, because that's our office. And and we're at Starbucks and both both couples are in tears and just over and over you hear the words, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Give it another chance. Now I'm done. I tried. Go to counseling. I already been to counseling. Read this book. I already read that book. It's over. I'm going to go home. We're filing a divorce. It's, it's, it's done. I went home to my wife because she cared about this couple. She said, how's it, how's it going? I told her, and this is just, maybe I need more faith, but I told her, I said, babe, all we can do is pray right now. I don't think there's anything that nothing, only thing that can be done is the Holy Spirit right here. Only God. I just want to share with you real quickly their story. It was a Sunday afternoon, headed to a meeting with our new pastor where we found ourselves at a fork in the road. We could do what we'd always done for a long time and pretend that years of burnout hadn't taken a toll on our marriage, or we could call it quits. Pastor JJ sat with us as the words like, I'm done, I can't do this anymore, divorce, separation, all the things I thought I would never say, I said, and I also didn't know if things would ever change. The next morning, after furniture was thrown, vases were broken, something happened. Wrestling between hopelessness and faith, my husband came home and said, God, there's something in my heart. I can't leave. I love you too much. And though we were far from total healing, we were on our way there. For months since that Sunday, God began a work of progressive healing in our marriage. Every hug, Journey Church became a safe haven where every hug, every worship song, every sermon, and every prayer brought healing to our souls. Today, as we share with our marriage small group, which has been impacting our lives, We can see the miracle of God, what he did and continues to do in our marriage. Our love for each other and the church has been restored here in Journey Church, and you are all a part of our love story. 
Would you guys give it up for Jeremio and Haiti Lugo as they come to the stage? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you guys did it. Come on, will you stand on your feet as we begin to close? Give God thanks for this amazing couple and what God's doing. I got a special piece of wood for y'all. Sit right there. You get a special piece of wood. If you notice, their wood's brand new. This is for you. You can, you can take it home or you can throw it in the garbage. It's cool. It's probably not a place in your house for random two-by-fours, but you don't just get another piece of wood. You get reclaimed wood. Everybody loves reclaimed wood, right? That's like the posh thing now. It's like reclaimed wood. Oh, it's a reclaimed wood. Nobody, you know who the first person to use reclaimed wood was? Jesus. I can't get into it all right now, but let me give you just a little bit of the historical background. Wood was, was a rare resource in the time of Jesus. And so whenever they built things, they built it with reclaimed wood. The wood that everyone else was throwing out, the wood that no one else counted, that's what they would use to build boats. We know that because we found the Jesus boat in the Middle East. It's not really the boat Jesus was on. It's what they call it. And it was made from different types of wood. Here's my point. The cross was made with reclaimed wood. Wood that other people would throw away. Wood that was from someone else's construction. Wood that had been ripped off. Wood that had lost its purpose. God repurposed. The little square that you got right now, that was taken from a construction site and chopped up into little pieces. It's the wood from a house that someone else tore down because they were done using it. And I want you to know what the world has torn down, what the enemy has torn down, what the devil tried to convince you would never rise again. God is going to use every little piece of your life and he's going to use it to build something beautiful, something useful, something functional, something that has value, something that is going to change the world. You and I are the reclaimed wood of Jesus Christ and he's going to use us when nobody else wanted to use us when nobody thought we were special when nobody thought we were good for nothing he's going to pick us and he's going to give us a mission he's going to give us a mission every head bowed every eye closed maybe you're in this building today and you feel like reclaimed wood you feel like you're, you've been thrown away you feel like no one has a purpose for you when I count to three, if you don't know Jesus, because listen, you only feel like that when you don't know Jesus. When you have a relationship with Jesus, you know you got purpose. You know you got a calling. You know you got a calling. You know God can use you, but if you don't know him, you begin to feel like scrap. I want you to know that today you are not scrap. You are purposed. God is going to use you to build an amazing house in this community. When I say three, if that's you, I want to shoot your right hand to the sky as a signal that, hey, build me, God. Build my life. Jesus Christ, live inside my heart. Are you ready? Every head bowed, every eye closed. On three, shoot that right hand up if that's you. One, two, three. You want to give your life to Jesus right now. Raise your hand high. High. Come on. I see that hand. 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 Come on, Journey Church. Will you give it up? for the eight or nine people who are making a decision to come back home to Jesus right now. Pray this prayer with us. Everybody pray this prayer with us. Father God, you are the builder. I am the wood. Take my life. Do something with it. Here is my something. Now you do something. Here is my past. Come on, tell them here is my past. Here is my present. Here is my future. I give you my shame. I give you my weakness. I give you my hope. Change my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be there ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again. Have a blessed week.